This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. It's been a long time now, but uh, many years ago when I first entered into the ministry, you know, I was ordained uh, by Dr. Rogers over Bellevue, and then I started the work of the ministry. I mainly did uh, hospital visitations. I did a whole lot of funerals. But eventually uh, there came that day where I was asked by a couple if I would marry them. So I told them I would, and so I did the premarital counseling I think I did a perfect job of it. I spent more weeks with them than I've ever spent probably with any couple. And I did everything to the best of my ability to make sure that they were moving into matrimony according to the Word of God and by the leadership of God. And it wasn't just an emotional thing. And they really understood what they were getting into. (laughs) You know, marriage is a very serious thing. A lot of couples do not realize how serious it is until the first week of marriage, and then they begin to realize that. But this particular couple, and none of you know them, so I'm not betraying any confidence, all during the premarital counseling time, they had answered all my questions, and some of the questions that I asked them, are you living together? Was one question. There's a whole bunch more. And then, are either of you carrying financial debt that the other one does not know about? And they lied to me on both of those things. And they lied to one another on one of those things. And so we went through and had the wedding ceremony in a week's time, maybe less than two weeks' time. He drives home. He gets home early one day. And uh, he goes to the mailbox. And inside the mailbox was all these credit card bills with his new wife's name on them. Her maiden name, I'm sure. And he started going through them and realized that she was more than $80,000 in debt. They had lied to me. They were living together, though they weren't married. And she had lied to him, saying that she did not have any debt. She had hidden that from him. He was infuriated. He did not handle it like a godly man should handle things like that. And uh, he filed for divorce not long after that. I was devastated. Because I had done the best that I knew how to do. And I was shocked. And uh, her grandfather came up to me at church and said, How on earth could this have happened? And he just had a way about him almost as if he thought I did it. And so I told him, I said, All I can tell you is this. What I was told in truth was a lie. And now it has affected their whole life and the mess that they're in. If they had only just told the truth. I think what happened was, I think she was so determined to get married, and he was determined to get married, that it was like everything that I was saying from Scripture and all my counseling, it was like they were seeing red flags. They knew they should have told me the truth, that they were living together, so we could have dealt with that issue. And she knew she was lying about her finances. And all that was there, but because emotionally, we want to get married. We want to be like everybody else around us. If they blew past all these red flags, they lied, and they let their emotions carry them instead of the truth and the Word of God and the way of God. And it ended up in a tragic uh, divorce. I don't really know what has happened to them since then. Maybe one day I will find out and I will tell you. Well, we're starting a new message this morning. It's really a new series and, and the title of the series is Emotions, Let's Not Be Deceived. Emotions, Let's Not Be Deceived. Now, 
I kind of worked on that title for a while because I didn't want it to sound negative. But the truth is, we can have both negative and positive emotions. So I don't want you to think, oh, I've got emotions and they're bad. No, you have emotions and they're God-given and they can be very positive, but they can also be very, very bad and they can serve you wrong if you do not let God and His Word govern you. So this specific message this morning is an introduction. So emotions, let's not be deceived. This morning, an introduction. God thinks and He has created us so that we can think. God makes choices, and He's created us with a will so we can make choices. It's apparent that God has feelings, and so He's created us with the ability and with the makeup of having feelings. So man is made up this way. Man is made up spirit, soul, and body. Now, the material part of us, our bodies, is easily visible. We can walk about interact with one another, interact with our environment because we have these physical bodies. But we can't see our spirit and our soul. We just can't see them. It's the immaterial part of our bodies. But we know that our spirit and our soul is real because of our thinking, our discernment, and the fact we can commune with God. But not only that, we know that we have a soul because We can feel things inside, though we can't really explain what we feel. We can feel things. And so, man is made up, spirit, soul, and body. And oftentimes when I'm explaining this to people, I'll say, you know what, how many of you believe in the wind? Of course, everybody will raise their hands saying, I believe in the wind. Well, how do you know that there is a wind? You can't see it. You can't see the wind, but you can feel the wind. And you can see the activity of the wind in the branches of the trees. You can't see your spirit. You can't see your soul. But I'm telling you, my friend, if you have a body, you have a spirit, and you have a soul within, and this is our problem, the vast majority of people let their soul control their spirit. They let their emotions, their feelings, make their decisions Instead of saying, this is what God's Word says, this is the right thing to do, I'm going to go with the way of truth and let my feelings be subservient to truth. And so that's what I'm encouraging in this entire series. I'm exhorting, encouraging all of us, including myself, not to make decisions based on what we feel, make decisions based on the truth of the Word of God, based on truth and facts. And so we see that we have a spirit and a soul and a body. The Bible clearly says that we have a spirit and a soul. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit, notice this, and even notice the order here, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you may just want to put in the margin of your Bible, spirit, soul, and body, the makeup of man. But then also in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
and piercing as far as the division, notice, of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow that speaks of the body and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So if you follow along in your Bible, you can put it in your margin right beside 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. You can put over to the side Hebrews 4.12 or Hebrews 4.12, put 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, because these are the two probably strongest texts that show how we're made up as people. But again, notice the order here. God's order is always spirit first, soul, and body. But this is what mankind does. Mankind reverses that order. And we focus on our bodies first, and our bodies are dying. And then we focus on our soul, and we just might be able to get around to the spirit. Every single year, at the very beginning of the year, what do we do? We always have a a brief emphasis on, please get into the Word of God. Begin to read the Word of God. Every year. And I have people tell me that they've started, and then I'll ask them four to six weeks later, how are you doing on, on reading through the Bible this year? And they say, you know, Pastor Chris, I've already stopped. It's just the way we are as human beings. We focus on our bodies. We focus mostly on what we feel. And our spirit, the highest part of our being, is just malnourished to the things of God. So I encourage you here. You can always start reading your Bible. You can take a reading plan if you want to and read by it. But I want to tell you the wisest thing you can do is just start reading. And when you don't understand something, stop, look it up, try to understand it, and move again. Don't compete with anybody. This is not a race to get to the revelation. Just Read your Bible. What you're doing is you're feeding and nourishing your spirit because your soul and your body need to be subservient to the spirit. And it's the spirit is where the Holy Spirit is inside of you. So when you think of the original creation, the spirit was of first importance and the body was last. But when sin came to the world with Adam and Eve, that reversed the order from then on man lives for his body and he neglects his spirit. If this couple that I married and did premarital counseling would have only seen this early on in their life and reversed it and nourished that spirit, more than likely they never would have even dated one another. So young people, I want to tell you, be very careful. Nourish your spirit. Don't let your feelings control you because if your feelings control you, I want to tell you, you're probably going to make some wrong decisions in life. The divorce rate in our society is 60-something percent. Be very careful. Nourish your spirit. Let truth reign in your life and heart. Let your feelings always be second. Do not get these reversed. So, another thing, just think about this. When you intercede for someone in prayer, I think the wise thing to do is when you're interceding for someone, start by interceding for their spirit, their communion with the Father. If somebody's sick or somebody's hurting and they've asked you, would you please pray for me? Say, amen, I will pray for you. Start praying and say, Father, if there's anything between you and them that they need to deal with, I pray that your Holy Spirit will bring them under conviction so they'll deal with it. And then, Father... 
when they're walking with you intimately and there's nothing between you and them in fellowship, I know you will renew their mind. You will give release and rest to their soul, and that will even have a positive effect on the body. Intercede for people in that same way of spirit, soul, and body. Now, there are three parts of man, and this is reflected in the uh, creative acts of God during the creation week. So at the very beginning, when God was creating, we see this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. So there it was, all of the heavens and all of the earth. And like I like to say often when I'm with people and I look up and see a beautiful moon, and I'll say, you see that moon? They'll say, yeah. I say, Adam and Eve looked at that moon. And they always go, wow. But sometimes we get so used to it being up there. God created the heavens and the earth. This speaks of the physical material, the heavens and the earth. But then God created more physical material. But this physical material, he gave life and consciousness. Genesis chapter 1, verse 21. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was not bad. God saw that it was good. Someone tell the Supreme Court that what God originally created was good. And it was man that messed it up and to take their hands off of what God has created and what he has set in order. We want truth. So on the sixth day, man was created as a spiritual being. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us. You say, well, who is us? It's more than one. I believe this is the first time that you see the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, together let us make man. And if you were to trace your lineage all the way back to the very, very beginning, my friend, listen, you may not have thought about this, but listen to me carefully. You came from Adam and Eve. Skin color does not even matter. Amen? You came from Adam and Eve, and he said, let us make man in our image. That means you and I have been made in the image of God, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Listen to this. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So this is what it means. This means that God made you and made me in his image. He made you in his image. He made you in such a way that God himself, by the Holy Spirit, could live in you. Just like this. Just like me getting in my jacket, God lives in you. You say, why is this so important? Listen, the God that is within you needs to control you over your emotions. If that ever gets reversed, you're going to have major problems. It's just the way it is. You will make decisions. I will make decisions not based on truth but based on how I feel, just like this couple did 
that I married and their marriage ended in a horrible mess. We got to stick with the truth of the Word of God. So, this means that man was placed on earth as God's representative. That's why we call Adam the representative man, or some theologians call him the federal head of the human race. Every single person came from the first man, Adam. And so, just as God is a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are what's called a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body. And you can even go back to the Old Testament and look at the tabernacle. That is a picture. The outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies is a picture of man made up, spirit, soul, and body. So like God, man has intellect, a moral nature, the power to communicate with others, and an emotional nature that transcends instinct. We are above the animals. Now, I know we love animals, but we are above the animals. Now, before the fall, Adam only thought perfect truth. And since he was thinking perfect truth, he had actions that responded from that perfect truth, and he had feelings that resulted from acting on perfect truth. But then something happened. Adam listened to the voice of his wife. And he sinned and was separated from God. And his thoughts now contained error. He made wrong choices, which resulted in bad emotions. So you and I, we start off, the Bible says, dead in our trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we're children of the disobedient one when we're born into this world. We come into this world with this bent This evil nature, this tendency, I want things my way, we're very, very selfish because we're born sinners. And so, the series that is before us, we're going to be looking at some of these emotions and what they cause and what God's Word says we can do about them. Some of the titles will be uh, guilt, anxiety, anger, depression, loneliness, fear, and jealousy. We will look at all of these in the weeks ahead. So, what did God do? Adam sinned. The life of God went out of him. And so God set to the task of putting God back in the man. The reason I say so often, the Holy Spirit is in you. Christ in you. Christ in us for others. The reason I'm I'm reinforcing something that God did. God made arrangements by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to take our sins upon Him and to pay the price for them so that we could see and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, ask Him to come into our heart. And when we see the cross, we see that He died as my substitute on the cross in my place. He died with all of my sins. When we see that, and the Holy Spirit is wooing us to salvation, And we began to look at the cross and we realized I'm a sinner separated from God and He's my only hope. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me but through the Father, through Christ. And so when we see that and believe that, what happens is this. Listen, God is put back in the man. You see, Adam lost it all. But when Christ came as the last Adam, 
we can gain what Adam lost. God put Christ back in the man. And I love you, so listen. You have to ask yourself, does God live in me or not? Each person has to ask themselves that question. You say, well, I don't know if he does or not. So one of the things you can do is, I don't want you to be too hard on yourself, just observe this week. How often do you sense God guiding you inwardly? How often do you see yourself changing directions and changing thought patterns because the Spirit of God is lovingly saying, don't do that? That is a sign that He's there. But if you say, you know, I don't necessarily even think this way or I think about it this way. That's a sign that he's not there yet. But listen, I pray that these messages, the Holy Spirit will begin with his love to draw you into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I want to tell you, that's what's holding spirituality back in this nation and around the world. If there's no real, genuine spiritual life. And so we find that God has put himself back into man. He did this through the cross of Jesus Christ. So... The wisdom of man says just the opposite. The wisdom of man says, I want to fix myself. I want to deal with anger, guilt. Uh, I want to deal with jealousy. I want to deal with depression. I want to deal with all these things that all of us struggle with. I want to deal with these things in my own way. And we start with things on the outside, from the body. And then we take things into the inside of us, trying to change how we feel at any given moment. And all the while, the spirit, there's nothing happening in the spirit of man. So you have spirit, soul, and body. Mankind, for the most part, tries to change himself with his body and with his soul and leaves the spirit malnourished. Now, our emotions don't think. Our emotions do not make choices. Our emotions are simply responders. So our emotions, they don't think. Our emotions do not make choices. They simply respond. That's why we have to be careful. So the way we think determines our feelings and our emotions. You think about this. If you have a problem with your car, especially those of you who have computerized car, which I guess is all of us now. And you don't understand something going on in your car, this little light's coming on, you think, I got. I don't know what it is. You open up the owner's manual and look it up to try to find out what button you need to push to make the light go away. When you and I are struggling internally with all kinds of things, where there's depression, a feeling of uh, other people are against me, and all these things that mankind feels, these plowed up emotions, these obsessive thoughts and things. When that's going on, listen, there's only one place we're going to be able to find the answer, and it's the Word of God. That's why I'm encouraging you, try your best not to miss any of these. And if you have to miss any of these messages, I would encourage you to get a CD of them and listen to them. Because I want to tell you, it's the most powerful thing you can do for yourself and those around you. Have you ever just wanted to throw up your hand and say, honey, I can't help you. I want to listen. If you get into the Word of God, I can tell you this. You can help anybody that walks on the face of the earth because all the answers are right here 
in the Word of God. Now, real quickly here, I want us to look at the fact of our emotions. Just the fact of them. Our emotions do not think or make choices. Our emotions are only responders. And so one of the features of being made in God's image is that we have a unique personhood which includes emotions. Think about it. God sent His Son Jesus to this earth. Jesus only lived 33 years and then He died on a cross for us. During that time, we know Him as the Son of God, the Son of Man, meaning that He was both God and man equally. In other words, He never lost His deity. He was God, God the Son, but He took on human flesh. We celebrated the birth of Christ just not long ago at Christmas. He took on human flesh. And so He had everything that we have. And the Bible says He was tempted in all points that we're tempted. But He never did sin. And so what do we see when we think of the life of Jesus and the fact of our emotions? You remember when He was at the graveside of Lazarus. He wept. You think about when He was there in the Garden of Gethsemane and He said, let this cup pass from Me. Talking about His death on the cross. Let this cup pass from Me. But then immediately He said, not my what? Will. The will is in the soul. And that's how you and I should live, thinking this way. God, I don't feel good about this. I'm angry or I'm depressed. But then we need to say, but not my will. Your truth and your will be done. And I want to tell you, that will fix a whole lot of emotional problems. That right there. Just saying, not my will, but thine be done. Think about Jesus when he went into the temple. And at the temple, they were exchanging money and putting high prices on the exchange of money because people were coming from different places far away. They were changing money, making money off of the fact that they were in the temple. They were selling all kind of animals for sacrifices and things, and they were charging high prices on foreigners coming in so that they could have the animal sacrifices they need there at the temple. And Jesus came in. He saw the money changers. And what did he do? The King James says he fashioned a whip. <laughs> you know what a whip's used for, don't you? It's used for whipping. He showed anger. He showed righteous indignation. He was ready to whip up on some folks. And he ran them out and he turned over the tables. This is the Jesus that we think about that children sat on his lap. So at Lazarus' grave, he was weeping. At the temple with the money changers, you see anger, but not sin. It was a righteous indignation. He never sinned not once. He can't sin. And so, you think about his relationship that he had with his disciples. There was a companionship that he had with those disciples. They loved him and he loved them. All of this was wrapped up in the fact that he had emotions. And so... You think about the compassion that Jesus had. When he would look over the multitudes, often he would weep. And he said one time, I would just wish I could gather you together as little chicks like a mother hen. Just gather you all together. He had emotions. And you and I, in our humanity, we have emotions. So we have the fact of our emotions. But think about the effect of our emotions. Negative emotions can impact us in all kinds of ways. You may have a high-stress job. 
You may be running as fast as you can run and you never quite get it all done and you're just maxed out emotionally. High stress can trigger wrong emotions, therefore wrong thinking and wrong actions. But not only that, you think about love. You think about romantic love. When uh, a boy and a girl begins to get interested in one another, and you're thinking, you know, maybe one day he's going to marry me, I'm going to marry him, and the next thing you know, they're getting more and more involved with one another. The Bible says that there should not be fornication. The Bible says that you should not enter into a sexual relationship with someone who's not your wife or your husband. The Bible says that you should abstain and stay completely away from it, and you should not tempt one another in that area. That's what the Bible teaches. And listen, that is truth, but I want to tell you, probably 99 and 3 quarters percent of people turn this completely upside down, and they focus on the body, soul, spirit, and probably not even the spirit, the body and the soul, instead of thinking, no, my spirit needs to be first with the Word of God, carried along by the Holy Spirit. My soul is second, my body is third. We get it all upside down and look at the mess our marriages are in and look what's happening. More and more people are, are not getting married and having children at younger and younger ages and more senior citizens are having now not only to raise their son and daughter-in-law, but also their children. More and more, this is what we're seeing. Because of what we're talking about right now, a whole society letting their emotions be God instead of God who's back inside of man controlling and by the Word of God. That's the effect of our emotions. What about the function of our emotions? Our emotions have to take their proper role. If your emotions and if my emotions run away with us and cause us to make decisions based on how we feel, we are setting ourselves up for all kinds of trouble. And so the role of the function of our emotions is similar to what you see in the human body. Our body is very complex. Again, the Bible says fearfully and wonderfully made. We've got all kinds of nerves, nerve endings all over our bodies. And these nerves, they go down our spinal cord and they go out to different places. And because of that, we know that when we have our hand too close to the fire, we pull back because it will burn our hand. Just yesterday, we had little Nate, Kelly's uh, niece's little boy. We're keeping them. She's in the hospital with, with cancer, age two and age four. So we were at Chick-fil-A, and I had a cup of coffee, and I said, let's see who can hold on to my cup the longest. Chick-fil-A has very hot coffee. It's good coffee, though. So anyway, I started it, and he finally got up the nerve to do it, and I counted all the way up to 12, and then I pulled my hands back. It was too hot, and then Nate tried to do it, but he was so nervous. He did about three and pulled it back, and then McLaren put her hands on there, and she did all the way to 13. And so I thought, well, I can't let a girl beat me, so I put my hands back on the coffee cup, and I counted up to like 15 or 16. And then Now Nate, he's becoming more and more emboldened. Now he puts his hand on there, and he counts all the way up to 12, and then McLaren puts her hands back on there and counted all the way up to 20-something, and then I noticed something. She was putting the very ends of her finger <laughs> instead of the whole thing on the cup, and she is a viola player. So she was just sitting there, and it wasn't burning her. Listen, 
Our bodies are made up in such a way that all these nerve endings things are all through our body. And when something's hot, we back away. When something's pleasurable, we like it and we enjoy it. That's the way our body is made up. Our brain is controlling all of this. In a lot of ways, our emotions are the same way. That's why we have to be careful with our emotions. If we get into a habit of letting the emotions tell us what to do, we will live our whole lifetime making wrong decisions based on things that have no truth behind them at all. Fourth thing is this. Our emotions, and I've already said it several times, and I'll say this throughout the whole series, our emotions must be subordinate. In other words, our emotions must come underneath our spirit. The spirit of man has to be first. Now, this is the hard part. It's really, it's easy, but it seems hard. The spiritual life is a life of faith. That is the bottom line. The spiritual life is a life of faith. And listen, this life of faith, look, when you're walking by faith, you can't always see what you want to see. You can't always understand what you want to understand. I want to know right now, God, what you're going to do in my life. I cannot wait. That is hard. And our emotions get all wrapped up in this. But I want to tell you, trust me, this Christian life, to be a spiritual man or woman, you have to simply walk by faith in what you don't understand. If you let your emotions run over the top of walking by faith, I'm telling you, you're going to end up with a cloudy mind, making wrong decisions, and it's like pushing over dominoes. You push over one, and you one day are going to say, what on earth have I gotten myself into? The spiritual life is a life of faith. And we're living in a time, and young people, I feel sorry for you because it was tough when I was your age. Man, it is a thousand times tougher now because in our emotions, we're reacting to our mortal bodies. And sometimes our bodies don't feel so well. And you know, when, when you feel sick, it affects your emotions. That's something that we all struggle with and we always will struggle with. But also the material world in us, especially I believe our girls have it worse than the guys. And all these pictures and everything that you see all around you in this material world is you got to look like this, walk like this, talk like this, act like this to be somebody that's being bombarded always. And you don't have to do any of that. Just be the creation that God calls you to be and put you on this earth for. God never makes duplicates. He only makes originals. But we have a distorted value system in this world that's pushed along by Satan and his demons. You can watch television programs. You can watch the latest movies. You can listen to the music that seems to me more and more the music of our day, and I do not understand it, or it seems like there's an all-out attack on what a woman is in the music today, and people line up to go to their concerts. Oh, my goodness. I wouldn't want to be seen standing in the line of some of these concerts with some of these people that are so famous. Now, our world system is steadily controlling us visually through what we hear, it is playing our emotions like someone plays a guitar. Just playing us. And there's only one thing that'll stop that. Number one, you have to understand what's happening to me. Number two, you have to say, God has come into me and he lives in me. 
I'm going to let him control me. I'm going to nourish my mind, will, and emotions with the Word of God that he wrote by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to walk in it until my thinking is changed. Paul said, be you therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now I want to ask you, in his humanity, the fact that he was both God and man, Jesus, do you think that emotionally he felt like going to the cross? He didn't. But he said, not my will, but thine be done. What he was doing, he was saying, no to these emotions must be subordinate to the truth and the will of God. I will not compromise. And aren't you glad he did not compromise? We would have no hope if he had got that upside down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? You can't always know what's just out there for you, but you can always know that God is sovereign and He's in control of all. And I want to tell you, the, the longer you walk by faith, the easier it gets, but it'll always be a struggle to a degree. But it does get easier when you see the things that God has done. Now I want to close with this, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Remember the series on the emotions all the, over the next few weeks ahead. The main thing I want us to walk away from this is not to let the emotions control us. Say, I want the truth. What is the truth? Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus here talking about the meaning of discipleship, talking to his disciples here. And I just want to look at this one verse. Listen to what Jesus said. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. See, the body is important, and our bodies are the temple of God. But according to Scripture, our bodies are passing away. They're going back to the dust. Our spirit and our soul is forever. Our spirit and soul created by God can never cease to exist. There's either a place called heaven that you go to when your spirit and soul leaves your physical body, and it will, trust me. <laughs> it either goes to a place called heaven or a place the Bible calls hell. Jesus said, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him, and notice it's capitalized. It's capitalized. So it's not Satan. It's Jesus. But rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, I read that. I've read that a hundred times. I know what it's saying, but I never focused on it until the other day. I don't like to think of Jesus casting anyone into hell. I like to think of Him as loving and encouraging and all that. And He is. The cross proves it. But you know that God the Father said about God the Son, I've given all judgment to Him. You see, I don't like to think of Him as judge. And a lot of times I'll say, hey, look, if you're seeing God up there with a crown on His head, a scepter in His hand with a stern face, He just can't wait to pounce on you. I think that is a wrong view of God. But I can tell you this. According to Scripture, there's coming a day where you will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and I believe there won't be a scowl on his face. I'll believe tears will be streaming down his cheeks 
when he has to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And the truth is this. He's is judging you, and you will have to go to an eternity separate from him. But the truth is, not making a decision for him was really what puts you in what the Bible says, outer darkness. Because he's given you life, he's let your heart beat, he's let you breathe. And you know, I want to tell you, if you're not born again, and he invades your humanity... I want to tell you, now you have a power within you that can ride over the top of your human emotions. Amen? You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.